Hi, I'm Kira McAllister and you're listening to QUB Voices. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons license. We're on Twitter, Spotify and iTunes. Welcome to episode two. In this episode, we'll be looking at how PhD research has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic and how students have dealt with the disruption to their research. I'll be talking to two students about their experience of 2020 and learning how they have adapted to these strange times. Because coronavirus has had such huge impacts on individuals, some issues raised may resonate with our listeners and we want to make sure you know that there is support available out there. One of my guests mentions the effect that the pandemic has had on her mental health, and we know that many of you will have had similar experiences. If you're affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, please reach out and talk to someone. If you're a Queen's student, you can contact Student Wellbeing at the link below this episode, and anyone in Northern Ireland can contact Lifeline or Samaritans for help free of charge. You'll also find their numbers under this episode. Today, and I am talking to my friend Pragya, who is a PhD student in the School of Biological Sciences. Pragya is an international student as well. And what I want to learn a bit about today is kind of how coronavirus has affected you in particular as somebody who works in labs that were closed and as somebody who's living kind of away from home and out of their comfort zone. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us today. Do you want to just start off by telling us a bit about yourself and about your research? Well, hi, my name is Pragya. I'm originally from Delhi, India, but I came to Belfast two years back to pursue my PhD in biochemistry. So currently I am in final year of my PhD and I'm working on Plasmodium falciparium, which is one of the most deadly uh, malaria causing parasite. And I'm working on the iron transporter in hope that we might find a druggable target. So all my life actually revolves around the lab and in the lab. So, you know, that is that is the thing that brought me to Belfast and that is who I am. So I think I'm defined by my PhD more than anything else <laughs> in Belfast. So, yeah, that is me. Yeah. And do you want to tell us well what brought you to Belfast or kind of what the process was, how you ended up here? Well... Coming from India, it's not easy. I think it's not easy for any Asian student, as to say, to come to abroad because it requires a lot of money. It requires a lot of like immense amount of visa processing and stuff. So I think I was very passionate about that. I need to go abroad and study. I was like, the research culture in India is good, but I wanted to experience something really, really different. So I started applying to states and I wasn't getting replies that I really wanted. 
I'm glad I never got a reply back from them. So I started applying to Europe and uh, UK. It was free of cost, saved me a lot of money. I got three people asking to do a PhD in Queens, apart from many other people from UK. So I was like, okay, I'll choose this particular person because I was interested. He was affiliated with NASA. And I was like, bang on, I've got the person I wanted to work with, which didn't go quite as I wanted. But so that's what brought me to Belfast. It was not a very hard process, but it wasn't easy either. And there, that uh, the first day I landed in Belfast, I was amazed with the greenery, with oh. so such distant <laughs> houses. Everything looked similar because the place I come from, everything, it's like you have placed thousand things in one frame, but here everything is so similar. So you, there's so much of uniformity with the houses, with the things, like everything has been made with the compass and the scale which is so different to place I come from. So yes, I have quite enjoyed my time in Belfast. Thanks to all my friends who have become my family now. Like I would take 50 names of my friends who have helped me to survive so far. So I think anybody considering to considering to join Queens and to come to Belfast, I would say it's 100% yes for me. Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, we've just been talking there as well, just before we went on air about... Um, the differences between Delhi and Belfast and I was kind of saying that I had gone when I was 17 um, to Delhi and was terrified by how so much was going on um, and you were saying about when you came here it actually scared you how uh, little was happening how quiet things were can you talk to us a bit more about that? Well, yes. So everybody knows that Delhi is highly, highly populated and I am so used to seeing people around me and you know they just bouncing me off every time I walk so that's quite normal I've grown into have grown in the crowd but when I was in Northern Ireland and like especially here I was traveling to Derry once and the train was entirely empty I called my mom up I was like mom there's nobody in the train what should I do I think I'll be kidnapped it's just two it's a two hour long journey and it was quite daunting because there is no one there is absolutely no one it's empty and but now I'm so used to it that I think crowdy crowd crowd you know crowded places might scare me I'm yeah. not really sure I haven't been to Delhi ever since um I have been to UK so two years no contact with the crowded places anymore it's been so nice but yeah this is the difference and then with Delhi the dif other difference is that so much of so much so many things are happening you just can't you just are so involved your mind never rests yeah no, it never gives you time to actually be like okay it's a switch off and a switch on but with a place like Belfast I actually felt that something is missing because there are not many things happening like it's one thing second thing I thought I was in a time lapse video <laughs> I really thought that it's a slow-mo video my life was like very very fast and then it was a slow mo it was this moving. is so funny i've just never heard belfast <laughs> described in this way before um but this uh, these things actually become quite important at the minute whenever we're talking about coronavirus um and like can you imagine what there you probably know what is the difference between you know here where things are a bit more spaced out and delhi like how, how are they dealing with coronavirus and social distancing um well i have not really caught up with the news in India in particular I wouldn't talk about just Delhi there in India well the rate of uh, transmission wasn't really bad like maybe two or three months back but now it started picking up we are getting 100,000 cases per day but the recovery rate is good 
but to maintain social distancing in such a populated country you would go bonkers the government yeah. would go bonkers it's just not possible so i think that causes a lot of unrest and unemployment which isn't fantastic but then overall um i think because people in india are so focused on living with families it's kind of better than living alone mm. so i think that is just the positive point and then the rate of recovery is exceptional yeah. so i'm not seeing the exact figures so i'm just talking about what i've read what my parents have told me so yeah. far so this is not so please don't bash me for saying that <laughs> i having known about covid-19 i've not i'm not giving exact facts and figures yeah no so. no we know this isn't what your background is in um i don't expect i don't know uh, what's going on with coronavirus around the world it's quite hard to keep up with um but what i want to talk about is how you have dealt kind of with the pandemic in terms of your work so you work in biological sciences and as you said like the lab is part of your life in belfast it's kind of where you spend your time what happened what happened whenever we went into lockdown so uh let's start with the march so i think it was 14th of march i had this very very bad throat infection and everybody in university thought that i i was down with covid-19 they sent me a huge email saying that i should quarantine myself and i was seeing my gp just down um student guidance center and she said no it's just like a very bad throat infection i was like i'm glad but i still had to quarantine just in case so those 14 days i was so happy chilling at home i was like oh my god i have got this lockdown this is what i wanted i wanted to i just wanted to rest i didn't i wanted to work from home and those 14 days were the most amazing days of my life i was like finally i've got that rest and then slowly and steadily lockdown got extended like the lockdown hadn't started in uh, united kingdom yet so it was more of i think it started on 27th of march and that day i was thought i i started thinking i'm going mad i need something to do although i had loads of phd work to do like you know updating your notebooks updating your laptop updating your files and so many things that go on that you don't get time while you are working in a lab so but i wasn't you know at home you just don't feel motivated enough to get up in the morning dress up and i live in a student's house like a rental accommodation so you know there are other people doing some you know playing music and you know doing their stuff you just can't be like no i don't want that so yeah and then i applied to this uh, firm called randox because i wanted to gain my sanity back so i started applying to randox and i got uh, so i started working on covid-19 which was amazing wow. and then and i was doing my phd work from home but it wasn't like it wasn't moving everybody nobody had known how long are we going to stay in a lockdown so my supervisor got back to me and saying okay do this do this do this so i would like to thank my supervisors first that they have been so so supportive through the entire lockdown my part time job people from lds they have been immensely supportive too so yeah lockdown hasn't been that bad although it has affected my work a lot i wonder looking for any positives here is there anything you've learned from lockdown that will help you going forward I think the only thing I've learned is stop chilling, make a timetable, and get your ass off to work. Because otherwise, it's it's just pile and pile of work. I still remember that I was so chilled out with the lockdown. I was like, well, now I have so much time to do with my life. But then I realized that no, because my mind is so, like, I'm a person who, when starts working, cannot stop myself from working. So, but then once I stop. 
I cannot get it back yeah, to work. Yeah, I'm exactly so, the same. <laughs> it is like very difficult for me to switch on and switch off. If I'm switched on in a work mode, I would work for months and months and months. But once I'm switched, my mind is like, no, it's off. No matter what on earth happens, I cannot get myself to work again until I have to be like somebody reprimands me and say, no, this has to be done now. You have to submit a report in two weeks. And that is my only motivation. Deadlines mm-hmm. are the only motivation. I know it, it's so bad for a PhD student to say that because you have to be self-motivated yeah. 24-7 into 365. But, but it's then- difficult. Yeah, it is. And especially with everything that's going on at the minute, um, you know, you can't expect to maintain the same levels of motivation whenever the whole world has changed since you started um so what do you think then has been the like biggest impact for you I think my mom was supposed to come in May 2020 this year she had planned so she was about to get her visa sorted in April and she was a lot she was supposed to come with one of her colleagues who was really close to me like a mother figure but then both of them didn't come and it's been two years I've not met my family wow which is so my mom was like do you want to come or because we can't come anymore like you know there are no flights no international flights flying from London to Delhi or you know anywhere and I cannot fly from Dublin because I don't have a visa from Dublin so the my only way to fly out of UK is um London to New Delhi that's the only route that we can have so that was a very disheartening situation because my mom could no longer be here and I was I was really lonely because well you know friends are there but then you can't meet them so what's the point when you can't go out and just meet anyone and this summer has been so sunny (laughs) and and then you still can't go out yeah it's been so bad and then I was working in Randock so I was like no I need to I just need to have that distance. I cannot be working with COVID-19 and meeting my friends, even if, you know, one household was allowed to meet at that time. I don't remember what the rules were. So, yes, that is how it has been. I really want my mom to come, at least somebody to come from my family. Last year, I had my brother for like two months with me. It was such, it was so good. It was so good. But this year, no, it's been terrible. Yeah. Well, that's so tough. It's something I think probably a lot of international students are dealing with. How do you manage it? Do you just Skype or? Well, we just use WhatsApp. So I, my mom is a person who would call me 20 times a day. And it's not disturbance. It's actually how we function in Asian households. Like I know people just find it so weird here. Some of my friends were like, why is she calling you? Why does she keep calling you and disturbing you? I'm like, first, she's my mom and she's not disturbing me. She can never, ever disturb me. And she can call me 50 times a day. But she understands that I have lab work. So if I write lab, she would write, okay, call me back then. So yeah, she understands. But then my parents are like, they won't sleep until they talk to me. Mm. so yes I'm a very very attached and a clingy needy person for my parents love (laughs) yeah and I have a small I have a little brother he's not little anymore he's 20 but then yeah it's very difficult I've not seen them for two years now and it's so virtual I can't feel them I can't touch them I just can't tell it's so overwhelming at times I'm just like mom you come otherwise I'll have a mental breakdown I'm so close to having a mental breakdown I kind of have had one just before my APR, I was like, dude, I'm so stressed out. My hypothesis has changed. I have a report to submit. I have nobody to get an emotional support from. So did you consider getting any kind of counseling support from Queens or anything or having? No, I think my only way around was just chat to my mom for maybe two hours more. Yeah, no, just to kind of point out there as well. This is, these are common things that you're bringing up. 
um and there is support available at queens for people who are uh you know feeling the effects our well-being service was online and virtual and on the phone during lockdown and stuff and obviously it's every individual's kind of decision what kind of help they need and what support they need but just for if anybody's listening and is feeling the same just so you're aware that you know there's support in place here at queen's um i just wanted to pick up on something else that you'd said a little bit back um about your visa did this get impacted by coronavirus was there any well i'm not aware of any immediate effect so far like i have my visa from uh 20 till 2023 april 2023 so i know i would get 3 months extra for my phd work but uh how will it impact that i really don't know like will okay. it be extended like will i have 3 months more right, yeah. extension after 2023 because I have given three or three months, sorry, for my PhD work, and I've not been working because after twenty twenty uh, after twenty twenty two, what is next year? Twenty twenty one, right? I've forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my PhD is due to complete on December twenty in December twenty twenty one, and then we have got three months more, so that goes to twenty two. But then that was the period where I was supposed to work and not do a PhD, so I was supposed to earn and pay my debt off. But now I'm really not sure how it's gonna work. I think this has impacted more of students who are in their masters or MSI because they just had one year of um maybe yeah. two years of visa and I know it has impacted one of my housemates so bad that he left everything in his MSI and just went back home. Oh, that's was, a shame, isn't it? I know. So I think the better understanding for visa rules would be. if msi or an msc student could you know shed light upon but no it's not impacted me so far well that's good that's one last thing to worry about anyway so we've covered quite a bit there today um just wondering what you think you've learnt what would you kind of take on board like it can be you know about your research it can be about your own about yourself about maybe you've learnt that you're more resilient than you thought you were or Well, the thing that I've learned here is that how to stay connected online without anybody like having to like support you, like not physically there. I've learned to have control of my emotions more. I don't show my emotions well, but my face somehow does. But so I think I feel more in control of situation than I Well, I've always felt control of situations. I have always known what I've wanted from life or what I've wanted in next two months. So I think COVID kind of snatched that from me. That control was taken from me, where I was left with there were gaps. I didn't know what to expect after two months from PhD. Will my mom come? Will I ever see her this year? How? Where? Do, will I complete my PhD in time? And I don't like when questions are not answered. it is just not you know because you can't just google them i i can google any term that i want to know what is covid 19 how is it impacting people what are the status for different countries what are the rules you can just google them and you know what's the answer but for things like that how do you control your emotions how have things affected you will you complete your phd there is no definite answer and that was taken away from me not knowing mm-hmm. where my future is which impacted me a lot initially but then my mom said you know what sit down take control of your life again it's not something that should dictate you you should be dictating covid-19 and that's and i think that was a very good advice from her and that's 
I would say has taught me a lot of patience. I'm a very impatient person. <laughs> I'm such an impatient person. I'm a responsible person, but very impatient one. So I think I've learned how to stay calm and composed no matter what happens. So I think my only take home message from this situation would be stay calm, stay composed and practice yoga or meditate, do something. Well, I started doing that. I yeah, so I think spiritual way was the only way I could heal myself and I've been investing so much time into that. Okay, well, it was great to have you here today and thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much, Kara, for having me. My next guest today is Abby Cooley, a PhD candidate in the School of Education who works in the Learning Development Service and the Graduate School. As well as being affected by the pandemic herself, Abby has been providing help online to other students throughout lockdown. Let's see what she had to say when I spoke to her at SARC. Hi, Abby. Uh, thanks so much for coming to talk to us today. Um, I think that you're a great person to share some of the experiences that you've had with us. Um, just to start off, and for our listeners, can you tell us a wee bit about yourself, um, what you do, your own research, and also your role in the graduate school? Yeah, of course. Thanks very much for having me. I was glad to be able to, to take part. Um, so I'm Abby. Um, I feel like I've been at Queen's my whole life. Like I've been here from 2011. So I did my undergrad in theology and then I did my master's in theology and then I did my PDCE in religious education. And then, yeah, then I've started doing my PhD in education and I'm nearly due to submit. Uh, so my research is on a qualitative study of ethos and identity in controlled schools in Northern Ireland. And um, so it's been it's been really interesting and enjoyable research. So what does that mean? Ethos and ethos and identity. That's a good right, question. Okay. <laughs> because, um, especially ethos is a concept that um, it's it's very difficult to articulate and people express different meanings as to what it means. Some people say it's climate, culture, atmosphere, ambience, all those different um, terminologies. So I'm trying to get um, pr perspectives on what people within controlled schools, so principals, teachers, governors, what they think the ethos and identity of controlled schools are is but I've also been looking at outsider perspectives in that um CCMS, NICE, um CNAG, what they think the ethos and identity of the cruel controlled school is. Um, and yeah, trying to sort of make sense of all that. So I'm in the middle of analysis at the minute. So uh, so how long have you left to go? Or is that a touchy subject? <laughs> touchy, touchy subject, I suppose, but I'm aiming to submit in December here. End is in sight then? Yes, the end's in sight, yes. How do you feel about that? Uh, excited, nervous. Um, I, th I suppose I'm, I'm ready to be done. Um, it's, it's, it's been a long four years, but some of it's been enjoyable. Other parts, you know, such as typing up the transcriptions and all, well, wasn't so enjoyable. But the actual, like, interviewing people and stuff was absolutely amazing. Um, oh, so that sounds was, great. So, um. You also work in the graduate school then as well, and you work in the Learning Development Service with me too. Yes, yes. Um, but I want to focus on your role in the graduate school. Do you want to explain to us what it is that you do? Yeah, so in the midst of all that research, um, yeah, I've been working in the graduate school since February 2019. I originally did one workshop for them on Harvard referencing, and then that sort of... Um, yeah led to a lot of different opportunities within the graduate school 
um, I did a proofreading workshop and then that led on to the development of the peer proofreading forum, which was already in place, um, but they wanted someone new to, to take over that. So I expressed an interest. So I started doing that. Um, Sorry for any new students who might be listening. Can you explain what that is? What the peer proofreading? Yes. Yeah. So the peer proofreading forum um, is is basically a space for for postgrads to come together um, in a collaborative way to to proofread each other's work literally because there's there's no service um, like that within Queens um, so it's it's a good opportunity for for postgrads from a range of disciplines to read each other's work so the way um, myself and Dr Ben Harper um, ran it was we did like a starter session on a particular area relating to academic skills and academic writing for like 20 minutes and then after that starter session we ate some pizza and then we yeah let each let um the postgrads swap each other's work um for about 15 minutes they read peacefully for that and then five to ten minutes for feedback and then was swapped like three different times so that if you're if you were coming to a session you got your work read by um, three different uh, postgraduate students. That's so helpful. Really, yeah, different, uh, different feedback is, you know, one person could look at someone's work and, and have things to say and then someone else could completely miss a full stop or comma that needed to be in there or whatever. So, yeah, it was absolutely great. Um, so it was, but I suppose we're going to be talking a little bit about this, obviously, with coronavirus, the, the postgraduate um your proofreading forum had to sort of come to a halt yeah um with with coronavirus yeah so that was my next question for you anyway it was just kind of what impacts coronavirus had then on the graduate school i saw there that they won an award recently for uh the effort that they made to like kind of put everything online but yeah from your point of view what what did the coronavirus do in terms of the graduate school's work yeah, well, I suppose I, I'm only really saying it for, from my perspective. I wasn't really involved in the wider conversations that were had um, about all the, the processes and, and things that had to be changed. Just from me, from my perspective, the, the peer proofreading form had to come to a halt. Um, however, they did ask me to take on some one-to-one appointments via Microsoft Teams. Um, for, for students, not so much for to proofread students' work, but to give them some feedback and advice on areas relating to academic skills, um, how they can make their, their workflow better, um, be better structured, um, all, all those types of areas, because I do know students, you know, were feeling a wee bit anxious um, about that, and maybe were feeling a bit anxious that they didn't have access to the peer proofreading forum, so I was sort of like a bridge. Um, In terms that. of kind of numbers or uptake could is there any comparison between the amount of people who used to come to the peer proofreading forum and the amount of people who then went for one-to-ones like did you get a lot of requests for one-to-ones or do you think people were a bit I don't know um, yeah it was sort of it was sort of hit and miss some weeks I advertised um and I continue to advertise five appointments a week for 30 minutes um on a Wednesday from 10 until 12 30 so some weeks yeah all five were booked up other weeks two students booked in um but at the minute I'm consistently getting three um students booking in um the students that I've had so far um maybe it's just the way it's materialized um they have wanted follow-up appointments okay um, particularly in relation to differentiation um and an APR 
they were sort of the appointments that were really um coming to the fore whenever I, I was um offering them it's just they were feeling a wee bit anxious about it yeah they weren't sure like you know how it was going to be on Microsoft Teams so even something as simple as you know helping them through their presentation uh being able to share their screen to make sure that all went smoothly you know I was sort of someone that they could practice with yeah um to be able to do that before they actually had the their official different yeah that's so useful uh for students but um I wonder as well like obviously using Teams for differentiation is an area of anxiety. I mean, I had to do mine on Teams as well. Mm-hmm. And I was freaking out about it because my Teams was so unreliable. I didn't know would they yeah. be able to hear me or were things going to kind of die in the middle of it or whatever. Um, and that kind of brings me on to my next question, which is what do you think like the feedback has been for people doing one-to-one appointments online? Has it, Does it work? I think, yeah, I think students are um, enjoying the the online interaction. You know, they can do it literally sitting in their pajamas if they want to. You know, Um, yeah, it's 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 good. You know, especially if some international students, um, you know, went went back home. You know, the the time frame and the the time zones and stuff Mm -hmm. um, seem to seem to work well um, for them as well. So. Yeah, and obviously, if I need to provide a resource or a link to something, you know, that can be done instantly, rather than if you were doing an appointment face to face, you would say to the student, oh, I'll follow this up with a couple of links to Harvard Referencing or or such and such. Yeah. So, yeah, overall, I think it's been a positive experience. Yeah, I think like there's pros and cons to it, really, isn't there? Um, Like, I think personally, I like the flexibility of knowing I can just do something at home and I don't have to rush out to go to it. But yeah. I think maybe more in like taught classes and stuff, you know, it'll be a bit more difficult and people will maybe feel like they're missing out on kind of the culture of Queens. Oh, um, yes, that's and that's something that we're hoping yeah. to do here is kind of, you know, help people kind of still feel connected. Absolutely. Um, can I ask as well, just did the coronavirus have any impact on your own research or have you most of your research done? I, I had I had all my, my data collected and stuff, so it didn't it didn't affect me that way. Um, yeah, I'm just going to speak honestly here and that it affected me personally and that I had to, you know, care for, for my parents, you know, get their prescriptions, groceries, um, all, all that sort of thing that came with that, you know, because they had to shield. So that put put a lot of pressure on me. Yeah. Um. So I wasn't able to get as much analysis done as you know what I could have. You know, at the start of the the pandemic. So with um, Gift, the postgraduate officer at the time, you know, she was pioneering very very uh, fiercely, and it was really really good what what she was able to do. So with that you know, all postgrads were granted a three-month extension. So that was an absolute blessing. Yeah, because um, I think, like, everybody has their own unique personal circumstances and everyone has stuff going on in their lives and coronavirus kind of just hit like a bomb for some people. Mm-hmm. And some people were able to manage and were able to kind of keep going with their research and keep going with normal life. And then others, you know, yeah, maybe have caring um, responsibilities or you know, have disabilities themselves or, you know, the impact on people's mental health as well has been absolutely huge. And trying to work while there's a global pandemic going on is just 
you know, it's bizarre. It's something that nobody could ever have planned for. And I think what I, from speaking to a lot of people, I've heard that, you know, even people without other stuff going on in the background have struggled and have struggled to kind of get their head in the game. And, you know, maybe it's just a matter of the house that you're living in is noisy or, you know, you've got a couple of other people working in the house as well and it's affecting your Wi-Fi, things like that. So, yeah, I think everybody's kind of been impacted in some way and it's huge relief that Queen's has supported us all with this Mm -hmm. three-month extension. I agree. Um, I was just wondering now, obviously you're coming towards the end of your PhD and you have so much experience in kind of researching, studying and working in the graduate school, working a learning development service. What advice do you think you would give to PhD students who are working in isolation at the minute? Yeah, well, I actually, you know, just picking up on the word isolation. Yes, you're working in isolation, but don't make yourself isolated. Um, and that, you know, there's there's so many things that, that you can be a part of. For example, the shut up and write that the graduate school run where um, students can, can come together on or, or Microsoft Teams and you know, through those, you know, you work for, for 20 minutes, have a five minute break, chat to those other students in that five minute break, you know, just just sort of feel a sort of sense of um nor- normality, I suppose, yeah. and, you know, collaboration um, get involved in other things that are running, you know, mindful meditation that runs in the graduate school now online so so get involved and keep keep chatting to your friends create a whatsapp group you know keep that communication going and because it could be very easy you know with having to work from home um and in in an online environment that you can feel isolated but yeah just try and and keep a routine um keep keep in contact and yeah find it find a space within your your home that, that works that works good for you um and even change that up, you know, one day work in the kitchen, one day work in the living room, just to sort of mix things up a wee bit to keep things fresh. But yeah, they're the main things that I would sort of say. Yeah, I think uh, the graduate school has done a great job with their new programme for autumn as well. I've had a look at it um, for first semester, all the things they have run in, which is, you know, all online. Um, but there's so much support there. There's so many opportunities to kind of chat to people and, you know, feel like you are a part of something. Mm-hmm. Um because yeah doing a PhD can be lonely at the best of times exactly yeah. never mind with <laughs> government enforced isolation or I know, I know. yeah so it is a strange time and I think for anybody who's just coming in now at this time is there anything you would say to them in particular um I suppose what I, I would say to them is Okay, they might have had, you know, all these plans to do face-to-face interviews, focus groups, um, all the rest of it, all this experiments and, and things like that, you know, depending on what discipline you come from. Um you know, be mindful that you might need to have a plan B, um, all of that. So can this be done by a telephone interview? Can this be done by an email interview? You know, things like that. So be prepared um f- for your research to change. And don't be too protective over that because, yeah, I, I always believe that everything happens for a reason. So, OK, this 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 pandemic um, but tr- try not to see it too much of a burden, but try and see it as an opportunity for a fresh perspective um, on your research that may that may come through um, different uh, 
methodology. Yeah, that's lovely advice, actually. I really like that. Um, so just to finish off, I think you've kind of given us so much information here today um, and great advice for PhD students. What do you think personally um, have you learned from this year? What has coronavirus 2020 <laughs> taught you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, a, a lot of things. Um, yeah, don't take things for granted. Even something as something as simple as, you know, going for a cup of coffee or being able to do your research, um, or typing up in a coffee shop. You know, don't take that for granted. But, um, I suppose, trying to always be a, ahead of the game. You know, if I, if I'm honest with with my research you know there are days because you, you have to be so self-disciplined there are days whenever you want to sleep in to, to midday uh, and, and not get you yeah. know get up but um I suppose it's taught me to just try and keep a schedule as best you can and try and always be on top of things because you don't know literally expect the unexpected you know this pandemic yeah. was totally unexpected um, and nobody, nobody could have, you know, imagined, you know, what, what life would have been like at the start of 2020. So I suppose just trying to be as prepared and as organized as what you can possibly be. Um, yeah, thankfully we've been given the three month extension. Um, but yeah, um, I suppose just being ahead of the game is the overall message that I would try and communicate. Well, thanks very much for your time and your advice today. Is there anything else you want to just add one bit of positivity to get people through the next month or get us through the winter just keep going you know it's not it's not long to, to Christmas now and the, and the holidays and you know just keep going make sure you take regular breaks make sure you reward yourself you know take a nice hot bath you know if you if you got a paragraph written that day even a sentence written that day make sure you keep rewarding yourself um i did write a blog post recently um emphasizing those those aspects and um, one of the main messages within that that blog post and um, that i'll send you the link to uh kira is just to keep pinching yourself every single moment um of positivity throughout your your research make sure you pinch yourself as a reminder to to just just keep going um, because, because it will be worth it in the end thanks so much and we'll welcome. make sure to share that blog post with our listeners as well great to have you today thank okay. you Talk thanks to you so soon. much and that's it for episode two be sure to follow us on twitter at qub voices and let us know what you thought again if you've been affected by any of the issues raised please know that you're not alone and that help is available in the next episode, we'll have our first researcher spotlight, where we'll be looking in more detail at one student's research project and finding out how it can help us move forward from COVID-19. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss it. Until then, stay safe and wash your hands.